These are the Beam Chronicles with your host, MJ Dooney. Book One Initiation, Chapter 17, Jackson Teak. Flying didn't usually get me all that tired, but outmaneuvering dragonfly-shaped fighter drones can take a lot out of you. Doing it for a half hour can damn near kill you, especially when I had to hoist a half-ton purple man around in the air while trying to keep the bugs occupied, and finally, when all that was over and I had landed, there was a five-second reprieve before we had incoming missiles and I was lugging Sydney around all over again, but so was the life of an agent of Beam. I couldn't give up because Charlie hadn't and Sid hadn't. We were the starters and the closers, and there were three more outs to get. After I dropped Sydney off grabbing onto the southwest edge of the roof of HQ, I flew around to the southeast side and hovered in place. Charlie had already beaten us there, as she tended to, and she was crouching on the ledge of the north side staring into the sky. We waited. You... sure they're coming? Hey, I said 30 seconds. It's only been like... 14. I have spotted mine, Sydney said, fixating on the distant light and rotating his arm cannon against his thigh. Are we ready? I'm always ready. She stood up, also focusing on her dot in the sky, and flexed her knees like she was prepared to pounce. And it was one of those moments that was just so awesome we would brag and argue for ages over who had the most badass dispatching of their missile. Sydney held firm onto the edge of the building, hanging off of the side with one arm outstretched, and fired the K-Pack out of his wrist at the incoming missile, dissolving it inches in front of his knuckles. Charlie leapt off the roof, ungrouping into a tornado of particulate dust swirling around the fast-approaching rocket, busting it up into thin air inch by inch before regrouping on the ledge once it was gone. And I didn't move at all, just floated in place with my hands at my side, eyes closed, stopping the missile in its tracks a foot before it struck me, then opened my eyes and redirected it to point straight up, firing it into space. We all simultaneously jumped off. Sid landed first. After skidding down the side of the building with his boots and rolled into a kneeling stop, Charlie grouped in beside him slowly from her feet to the top of her head, and I descended from the sky, completing the triangle formation as I lightly touched down. We are the baddest motherfuckers in the world! A little green man ran toward us and his underpants fists extended into the air. After that, I collapsed in exhaustion onto my stomach, basically somewhere between asleep and dead. Charlie turned away from us and began projectile vomiting for about three minutes straight, violently, loudly, and conservation of mass defyingly. And Sid was struck with the realization that skidding down a building like six times would probably be sufficient friction to burn the rubber off the soles of his size 19s and lifted a foot to examine his wiggling, exposed toes. So we could only be cool for like 10 seconds at a time, but at least we'd averted the crisis. Charlie, I lifted my head up. She was still barfing, so I politely waited for her to finish up and collapse onto the ground. Charlie, the guy who did this, did you equalize him? No. She said softly, staring into the grass in front of her. But you still got him, all sixed up, right? You know where he is and we're gonna go get him, right? I lost him. You lost him? Yes. He's too far away. I can't six him anymore. 
how is that possible? You were looking at him. You left for a few minutes. How far could he have gotten? You've sixed me across the country. This guy's out of sight for a minute and now he's gone? I see you every day. I six you every day. I know what you six like, all right? This guy is random. I've only sixed him a few times. It's not like a needle in a haystack. It's a needle in a needle stack. Besides, I ungrouped a massive spider today. Everything's out of whack with me right now, hence the vomit. Charlie, I mean... I was in a literal dogfight for a half hour plus. Sydney was pulling these things out of the sky. I, I know you're whipped, but we all are. Why didn't you just, you know, equalize him on the spot? Hey, buddy. She finally looked at me, finally spoke louder than a whisper, and glared at me with those eyes she'd used at the beach. The eyes that said she hated how much she loved me and wanted to kill me and hide me from myself all at the same time. Charlie, what the hell is going on? I just told you. He is gone. It wasn't for lack of trying, but thanks for the effort lecture, it means a lot coming from you. He's fast, he's far away, I was distracted, I haven't sixed him that often, and I'm gassed. There's five reasons for you to shut the fuck up. If I knew where he was, then I would go get him. In the meantime, you should probably be doing that thing we've talked about, where you withhold judgment when you don't know shit about shit. How about it? Tell a boy. Oh no, dear god no, that name, that stupid, stupid name stuck in me like a hot knife. I couldn't breathe. It felt like the blood was draining out of my whole body. Of course it was him with the theming of the robots. How did I not realize it sooner? And she just kept staring at me, gauging my horrified reaction. What the hell did you do, Fly? Why in the name of God did... Did he... Did he what? Did he tell me that you let him out of your stupid fucking hands? That you told him Beam was dangerous and you were their prisoner and he had to come save you, kill all of us, but not you? Set you free, was that the plan? So I got the basic idea? I did not tell him that. You know I would never say all of that, even back then. You didn't even tell me he was still out there, Jackson. After everything I've done, after everything Sid's done, all the people we've killed for you, you owed us that much. You owed us at least a warning and now, we're all roped into your stupid bad decision. Nice deliverance for you, huh? Nice atonement. Is your conscience all sparkly clean now that the guy you let loose and then lied about tried to kill everyone in the city? I... I never lied. It's the same fucking thing. You should have told me. It wouldn't have mattered. And you wouldn't have understood. Maybe not. Still deserve to know. I didn't want an argument. Her anger was justified, and I knew I would lose if I got into it like always. Charlie, please tell me what happened. Tell all of us. Yeah, I will. I'll gather all the kids around me and tell them the tale of how Jackson Teak and his boundless stupidity, how after months of trying, finally did something dumb enough to get Howie to roast him. But Murphy will be back to HQ in 10 minutes, so let's just wait for him to show up so I don't have to repeat this stupid-ass story twice, all right? There wasn't a single appropriate thing to say to her, and the tension between us was thick enough that nobody else could say anything either. Finally, Sydney broke the silence for me. Perhaps we should go back to Phil's lab. It is getting cold out here. We did, but Charlie stayed behind, alone, the way she liked to be. Nobody talked the whole way up. Nobody talked once we got there. Phil quietly went and put his clothes back on. Sid peeled his worn down, burned up boots off of his feet. Then they silently set to work hanging up plywood over all the windows that Sydney had broken out of, probably just to occupy themselves. 
Maria came over to sit next to me and I realized how complicit she was in this mess, which made it all the worse. I had promised her the situation was taken care of and today it was clear I was wrong. She leaned onto my shoulder and wrapped her arm around me, but I, it didn't feel any better. After about five minutes had passed, Charlie appeared, having recharged her grouping mojo to the point where she could at least do it without throwing up. She leaned against the wall, folding her arms and bowing her head. It was really obvious, even though she tried to hide it, that she had been crying and the pit in my stomach got even heavier. The day had started out so good with the same five people. I would have even considered calling us a family. Too bad my transgressions had to set literal bombshells off and ruin our undeserved good thing. I wondered if anyone would talk to me once they all realized that I was responsible for all of it. I wondered what we would tell Howie. Maybe I'd finally see that method of containment. Finally, mercifully, Murphy showed up. He blasted into the lab in a huff the way he typically entered most rooms. Wow. First of all, guys, nice work. I mean, you got the spider, the beetle, the ants, all 15 feet crushed. Then you got three dragonfly drones with nukes, three missiles, all versus just three equalizers? <laughs> you really saved all of our asses today, guys. Literally everyone's, and no other group of three could have done it. I don't know if there's a single person at Beam who's gonna doubt your usefulness now. Nobody responded. Oh, what, did somebody die? He quickly scanned the room, counting heads. I was expecting a freaking bonanza when I got up here, not a damn wake. Murphy, I did something really, really stupid. It's... it's my fault. I... I was choking back tears. Maria rubbed my arm, but I stopped anyway because I didn't want to cry, even though Charlie already was. Maybe... no, definitely explicitly because Charlie already was. Easy, Jackson, alright? Murph quickly adopted our somber mood. We'll piece this together as a group, the six of us, okay? Somebody just explain to me what happened. The guy contacted us. Charlie finally lifted her head. Her eyes were bloodshot, a red stark contrast to the breathtaking icy blue irises. But she'd given up on trying to disguise her grief. The asshole who was throwing his artillery at us, he contacted us with his location. We assumed, pretty correctly, that he was just being an attention whore, and it would give us a good shot at, you know, tagging him at least. I know it's against protocol engaging in unevaluated anomaly like that, but I figured I could just run away if it got too much for me, and at least we'd have something to follow up on for finding him, you know? It's fine, Shade. I keep going. What happened? And so the guys were getting the dragonflies, and I went after him. I was a little out of sorts, basically ungrouped the whole tank today. So it took me a minute to get to him, two or three jumps. But when I saw him, I froze up because it was the fly from the first case we took Jackson on. The Bader case. Remember the clap? Anyway, he got one look at me, Guillermo aimed at his head, and he freaked. Deployed the artillery, I think to get me to leave, go after them, but I knew the guys could handle, so I just beat him. He still fights like a child, even with all his arms, even with me in my weird overgrouped state. I walloped him in two punches, and I was just about to equalize him. But then he started talking about Jackson. Like he said the name, Jackson, and it made me hesitate. I asked him how he knew the name, and he said... She faltered off. It was unbearable to see someone as tough as Charlie just broken up. All over me. Charlie, come on, sweetie, it, it's me, just old Murph, you know I got you. 
He said Jackson, or fucking Teleboy apparently, came to him a few months ago and told him Beam was going to kill him and that he needed to destroy all of his stuff or else we'd come and he'd die, except he knew we were the villains and we needed to be thwarted and all that poser nerd truth and justice bullshit. So I called him out on it. I asked him if he was so damn righteous, why launch an attack that would kill thousands of people? And he said he was never going to hurt anyone until he thought I was about to shoot him, and the dragonflies were only there in the first place to distract Jackson so he could take readings on me and Sid. His eyes. Those stupid cornball compound eyes must have picked up the energy signature from my telekinesis that day in his lab. That's how he knew about the particles and how he was targeting me, and while I was flying around, He'd done the same to Sid and Charlie, probably had the same technology in the eyes of the mechs on the ground, and I exposed them. Now this lunatic knew just how fast Charlie was, just how strong Sidney was, what it would take to overcome them. He knew their every weakness to exploit so he could come back later and finish the job. It kept getting worse. So I told him, yeah, bullshit, we're the bad guys, you just dropped bombs five seconds ago. I told him he was an evil sack of shit, but he just rebuffed me without pause. He told me it was a tactic, because he thought I would leave so he could escape, and he knew we'd prevent them from going off anyway, as if that makes it any better, but whatever, I didn't get a chance to rebut, because before I could say any more, he said, same with the missiles, inbound right now, set to hit HQ in 30 seconds. Tick-tock, telegirl. She scoffed shaking her head. I wanted to kill him so bad. Like it would have taken one second to shoot him, not even so much for trying to murder literally everyone I know, but that stupid fucking name. <laughs> <laughs> in spite of the gloominess, everyone in the room laughed, from Sydney's robotic, broken, artificial sequence of haws, to Charlie herself rubbing her nose against the sleeve of her trench coat. But I didn't. I let him go. She looked right at me half smiling. I couldn't just kill him after you set him free. It felt like like destroying your salvation or something. You should have killed him, Charlie. You wouldn't have been able to handle it, JT. I couldn't do it. Not to you, of all people. No, you're wrong. Listen, when I let him go, fly was two things. A weak symbol that maybe I could still hold on to some humanity and a borderline harmless idiot. Now he's a dangerous idiot. Forget the fact he almost wrecked the damn capital, all right? Forget about the fact that if I hadn't been able to outmaneuver those drones, which I was right on the brink, believe me, he would have killed everyone within the blast radius. Today, fly went after my family. My family, Charlie. If you think I care more about some symbol than I do about the people in this room, there's no other way to say it. You're flat out wrong. I paused and we just looked at each other perfectly still, some unseen physical power locking our eyes. Maria turned her head away. I kept talking. But you were right before I should have told you about him. It, it wouldn't have made a difference. No, but still, you're the best friend I've ever had, Charlie. You don't keep secrets from your best friend. Again, we just looked. Uh, so may maybe I'm missing something here. I mean, it sucks he got away. And I'm glad you're all sharing this touching little moment, but why are we all crying exactly? Because he almost leveled Beam today. How he's going to burn someone for this, Murph? Charlie explained, still looking at me. The only question is who? Well, obviously it's me. Is it? Is it obvious? Because you were in evals during that case and I was your supervisor. I handed it to you with Prophet's signature on it and everything, and I practically told you to let him go. 
If it's anyone's fault, it's mine. No, M Maria, that's not how it works. I was in his basement. I saw how much he'd developed in such a short time. It was up to my judgment whether or not to let him off. I knew he was capable of this kind of thing, and I just turned a blind eye. This is me, my punishment. Hell, I had him in my sights today and let him walk. I'm just as into this as you two. No, it is I that am to blame. Sidney strode into the center of the room, extending his index finger. <laughs> Easy there, Spartacus. But that is not my name. Guys, I, I don't want to interrupt. It's really fantastic, riveting martyrdom contest, but we could just not tell Howie. All of us looked at Murphy like he'd grown a second head. Nobody was sure whether or not he was joking. Murph, you can't keep secrets from Howie. He chuckled, shaking his head and rubbing his mustache. <laughs> oh yeah? Tell that to my 12 years of experience doing just that. You kids think this is the first time an equalizer got overly attached to an anomaly and it came back to bite him in the ass? Please. If I had a thousand bucks for every time this sort of thing happened, I'd be retired in Maui. Only I couldn't retire because I had to stick around to protect all my little boys and girls. Let me talk to Prophet. You guys report this to scouting the way you would any other incident. But what if he finds out that you lied to him? I'm gonna tell Howie the God's honest truth. You five saved his ass today, as well as everyone in this building. Everyone within however many miles make up the lethal radius of whatever fucking bomb that was. We'd all be dead and gone if it weren't for the five of you. Tanaka 2.0, that's a fact all day long. That is a fact. And the jackass responsible got away. That's happened before, it'll happen again. Now we know this fly is trouble, and when we find him, we'll handle him. Nobody says mum about the rest of it until then. Nobody says mum about it after. And the only one spouting off the whole truth would be the fly, the completely deranged lunatic in the dungeons that Howie will never talk to, and if he does, it's that wacko's word against the six of ours. Hell, that's assuming we don't equalize the bastard first chance we get. We got his dragonfly, right? Phil humbly pointed out. Down in the catch, there's still that one. Plus the ant and the beetle, the tanks that Sydney flipped are still in one piece. That's a lead, right? Well, we can piece it together from there, maybe. I'm sure he thinks he covered his paper trail, but I hacked his onboard computer today in like four seconds. People don't just acquire that kind of technology. He either stole them or at least bought the material somewhere. Plus we know where he lives. He's obviously abandoned ship by now, but it's a start. Maybe he left behind a clue or two. What was his real name, Jackson? Do you remember from the eval? Enzo Skelton, I replied. Charlie snorted. Right, so there we go. It's just a matter of waiting for him to use a cell phone or a credit card. Phil can peg him from that, right, Phil? Yeah, th that's child's play. But he still got his readings of Sid and Charlie. He got an extended look at me and discovered Jackson's. He used that info against us big time today. Who knows what he learned watching them? What if he comes back and we can't handle him? We can handle him. I shook my head. No, I, I still feel terrible for dragging all of you into this. Good, you should feel terrible. Jackson, you have called us your family. Sydney spoke with an extreme and stern seriousness. And so now, we are without a choice. There is no more to say a family protects each other, no matter the cost. It was all anyone had to say. And all I could think of in return was... Thank you guys. And they set to work. Murphy went upstairs, no doubt to spin the same untruth he'd just given us at Howie and distract him from the obvious holes. Maria sat down with Phil to hammer out Fly's address, pick up as much personal information as they could about him. 
Charlie walked by me to help them, nodded and patted me on the shoulder. Then Sid, never one for subtlety, engulfed me in a massive feet off the ground bear hug. All of them were doing it. All of them were putting themselves in the line of fire to clandestinely bury my stupid mistake so Howie would never see it. They would all die for me. Two of them had already killed for me. It felt so incredibly warm and so incredibly cold all at once. Even when we lied and kept secrets from Howie, he was winning. He would eventually get exactly what he expected out of this fly situation, zero tolerance. We'd find him, we'd catch him, and we'd equalize him. At this point, after today, it wasn't even like he didn't deserve it, yet it disturbed me that when six incredibly powerful people finally banded together and stood up to Howie, the results were no different than if I would have just let the clap shoot the fly the day we first met, as Howie would have most preferred. Hell, it really had nothing to do with Howie at all. We were banding together against Fly for me, and Howie could just obliviously sit back in the wings, knowing the cogs he'd set up were turning, efficiently generating the brave new world just how we planned it. Howie always had a contingency plan. Could it possibly have been his intention all along that once the motivating fear of him inevitably faded, he could seamlessly transition me into this new motivating love? It was obvious to me that if I ever saw Fly again, I would kill him for what he tried to do that day. And at that point, transition complete. At that point, how he would have beaten me at our secret little game for my soul. But then maybe there was still one last option. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Beam Chronicles, a fiction podcast written and produced by me, MJ Dooney. I hope you enjoyed this special three-part episode that I was only able to finish because I got sick and had to stay home from work. Hopefully my voice didn't sound too weird. I think the filters kind of got rid of all the congestion. I say it every week, but I don't mind. If you haven't rated this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would be amazing and help me out a lot with both growth and motivation. I'm still just sort of existing on YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Eventually, there will be something on those platforms, though. If you thought about someone in particular as you listen to this, let them know for me. If they enjoy it and the word gets spread a bit, that would be fantastic for everyone involved. As always, any constructive criticism or feedback at all, beamchronicles at gmail.com. Next week's episode should be good to go after that. Christmas and New Year, we'll see. Although I keep saying that and then I just make the episodes anyway. I don't know. I'm having fun. Just trying to ride the wave still. All music and sound effects were sourced through the Epidemic Sound Library. Special thanks to Sergio Duarte for creating the cover art for this podcast. You can find him on Instagram. Thanks again for listening. 